The False Prince by Jennifer A. Nielsen, Chapter 1. If I had to do it all over again, I would not have chosen this life. Then again, I'm not sure I ever had a choice. These were my thoughts as I raced away from the market with a stolen roast tucked under my arm. I'd never attempted roast thievery before, and I was always, excuse me, I was all, already regretting it. It happens to be very difficult to hold a chunk of raw meat while running, more slippery than I anticipated. If the butcher didn't catch me with his cleaver first and literally cut off my future plans, I vowed to remember to get the meat wrapped next time, then steal it. When he was only a few paces behind now, he was only a few paces behind now, chasing me at a better speed than I'd have expected for a man of his girth. He yelled very loudly in his native language, one I didn't recognize. He was originally from one of the far western countries, undoubtedly a country where killing a meat thief was allowed. It was this sort of thought that encouraged me to run faster. I rounded a corner just as the cleaver suddenly cut into a wood post behind me. Even though he was aiming for me, I couldn't help but admire his throwing accuracy. If I hadn't turned when I did, the cleaver would have found its target. When I was only a block from Mrs. Turnbeldy's orphanage for disadvantaged boys, I knew how to disappear there, and I might have made it if not for the bald man sitting outside the tavern who stretched out his foot in time to trip me. Luckily, I managed to keep hold of the roast, although it did no favors to my right shoulder as I fell onto the hard dirt road. The butcher leaned over me and laughed. About time you get that what's coming to you, filthy beggar. As a point of fact, I hadn't begged for anything. It was beneath me. His laughter was quickly followed up with a kick to my back that chased my breath away. I curled into a ball, prepared for a beating I wasn't sure I would live, I'd live to regret. The butcher landed a second kick and had reared back for a third when another man shouted, Stop! The butcher turned. You stay out of this. He stole the roast. He stole a roast. An entire roast? Really? And what is the cost? Thirty garlands. My, well, my well-trained ears heard the sound of coins in a bag. Then the man said, I'll pay you fifty garlands if you turn that boy over to me now. Fifty? One moment. The butcher gave me a final kick in the side, then leaned low toward me. If you ever come into my shop again, I'll cut you up and sell you as meat at the market. Got it? The message was straightforward. I nodded. The man paid the butcher who stomped away. I wanted to look up at whoever had saved me further beating, but I was hunched in the only position that didn't send me gasping in pain, and I was in no hurry to change that. The pity I felt for myself wasn't shared by the man with the coins. He grabbed my shirt and yanked me to my feet. Our eyes locked as he lifted me. His were dark brown and more tightly focused than I'd ever seen before. He smiled slightly as he studied me, his thin mouth barely visible behind a neatly trimmed brown beard. He looked to be somewhere in his forties and dressed in the fine clothes of the upper class.
but based on the way he lifted me, he was much stronger than I expected of a nobleman. I'll have a, a word with you, boy, he said. You'll walk with me to the orphanage, or I'll have you carried there. The entire right side of my body throbbed, but the left side was okay, so I favored it as I started to walk. Stand up straight, the man ordered. I ignored him. He was probably some rich country gentleman who wanted to purchase an indentured servant for his lands. Although I was eager to leave behind the tough streets of Karchar, servitude wasn't in my future plans, which meant I could walk as crookedly as I wanted. Besides, my right leg really hurt. Mrs. Turnbaldy's orphanage for disadvantaged boys was the only place for orphaned boys in the northern end of Carthia. Nineteen of us lived there, ranging in age from three to fifteen. I was almost fifteen, and any day now, Mrs. Turnbeldy would send me away. But I didn't want to leave, and certainly not at, as this stranger's servant boy. Mrs. Turnbeldy was waiting in her office when I walked in with the man close behind me. She was too fat to credibly claim she starved along with us, the rest of us, but strong enough to beat anyone who complained about that fact. In recent months, she and I had settled into a routine of barely tolerating each other. Mrs. Turnbeldy must have, be must have seen what happened outside because she shook her head and said, A roast? What were you thinking? That we had a lot of hungry boys, I said. You can't feed us bean bread every day and not have a revolt. You'll give me that roast then, she said, holding out her plump hands. Business first, I clutched the roast more tightly to myself and nodded at the man. Who is he? The man stepped forward. My name is Bevrin Connor. Tell me yours. I stared at him without answering, which earned me a whack on the back of my head from Mrs. Turnbeldy's broom. His name is Sage, she told Connor. And as I told you before, you... You'd be better off with a rabid badger than this one. Connor raised an eyebrow and stared at me as if that amused him, which was annoying because I had no interest in providing him with any entertainment. So I tossed my hair out of my eyes and said, She's right, so can I go now? Connor frowned and shook his head. The moment of amusement had passed. What can you do, boy? If you bother to ask me my name... Ask my name, you might use it. He continued as he hadn't heard me. Also annoying. What's your training? He don't have any, Mrs. Turnbeldy said. None a gentleman like yourself would need anyhow. What did your father do, Connor asked me. He was best musician. He was best as a musician, but still a terrible one, I said. If he made a single coin from playing, my father never saw it. He was probably a drunk, Mrs. Turnbeldy rapped my ear with her knuckles. So this one's made his way through theft and lies. What sort of lies? I wasn't sure if the question was directed to me or Mrs. Turnbeldy. But he was looking at Mrs. Turnbeldy, so I let her speak. She took Connor by the arm and pulled him into a corner, which was an entirely useless gesture because not only was I standing right there and perfectly able to hear every word, but the story was also about me. 
so it was hardly a secret. Connor obliged her, though. I noticed he faced himself toward me as she spoke. First time the boy came in here, he had a shiny silver coin in his hand. Said he was a runaway, the son of a dead duke from somewhere in Avenia. Only he didn't want to be a duke. So if I took him in and gave him preferential care and a place to hide, he'd pay me a coin a week. Kept it up for two weeks, all the time laughing it up on extra servings at dinner with, and with extra blankets on his bed. Connor glanced at me, and I rolled my eyes. He'd be less impressed when she finished the story. Then one night, he took with a fever, got all delirious late in the night, hitting at everyone and yelling and such. I was there when he confessed it all. He's no son of anyone important. The coins belonged to a duke, all right, but he'd stolen them to trick me into caring for him. I dumped his body into the cellar to get better or or not. I didn't care. Next time I checked on him, he'd got over the fever and on his own, and he was a good deal more humble. Connor looked at me again. He doesn't look so humble now. I got over that, too, I said. So why'd you let him stay? Connor asked Mrs. Turnbeldy. Mrs. Turnbeldy hesitated. She didn't want to tell him it was because I picked up goodies for her now and then, ribbon for her hats or chocolates from the cake shop. Because of that, Mrs. Turnbeldy didn't hate me as nearly as much as she pretended to. Or maybe she did. I stole from her, too. Connor walked back to me. A thief and a liar, eh? Can you manage a sword? Sure, if my opponent doesn't have one, he grinned. Do you farm? No. I took that as an insult. Hunt? No. Can you read? I stared up at him through the parts of my hair. What are you wanting from me, Connor? You'll address me as Sir or Master Connor. What are you wanting from me, Sir Master Connor? That's a conversation for another time. Gather your things. I'll wait for you here. I shook my head. Sorry, but I'd leave the comfort of Mrs. Turnbelly's Beldy's fine establishment. I go on my own. You're going with him, Mrs. Turnbeldy said. You've been bought and paid for by Master Connor, and I can't wait to get to be rid of you. You'll earn your freedom by doing whatever I ask you, ask of you and doing it well, Connor added, or serve me poorly and serve me for life. I wouldn't serve anyone for an hour until freedom, I said. Connor took a step toward me, hands out. I threw the roast I'd been holding at him, and he flinched to avoid it. Using that moment, I pushed past Mrs. Turnbeldy and darted into the street. It wouldn't have been helpful to know that he'd left a couple of vigils at the door. One grabbed my arms while the other clubbed me over the head from behind. I barely had time to curse their mother's graves before I crumpled to the ground.